0: pick up verse 1. It says sometimes later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there was at Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time, he asked him, I don't know why he asked this question. It seems so obvious, doesn't it? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, before we move on, let me just, uh, let me just kind of vent here a little bit. Have you ever thought about just like if you were Jesus' campaign manager, you know, would you have done things a little bit differently? I would have. I would have. You know, the first thing I would have done I would just said, Jesus, there's a place up here and there are hundreds of people, you know, that come there, they're sick, they're paralyzed, they've got all these problems, and we're just going to walk in and you're just going to wave your hand and we're going to just heal them all. Let's just get them all in one time. This will put you on the map. This will get you notoriety. This will get you known. But he goes up and there's a lot of them there, but he walks up to one guy and one guy only and asks him if he wants to get well. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone goes down ahead of me. Now, I thought about this, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, if you can't move, let's just get close to the water, okay? If this is water, I'm camping out right here, and I'm waiting for that water to stir. I'm on it, and man, I'm in it, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm the first one there. I'm not up there by the porches in the shade. I mean, I'm going to be in the water if I want to get healed. He says, I have no one to help me get in the pool. Now, I know that sounds kind of like whining. And uh, you know how we feel about whiners. And I know we don't have any whiners in this church. And I'm so grateful for that. He says, "Uh, but while I'm trying to get in, someone goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up. Now, listen to this. This is our message this morning. Get up. And pick up your mat and walk. Three things that we're going to talk about today. Get up and pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day that on which he took up, his, uh, took up the place was on the Sabbath. And, you know, Jesus just was always doing this. He was always doing healings on the Sabbath. It says, and so when the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. Now, I've got this kind of like in my mind that these are the religious police, and they're always just kind of like combing the area. What are you doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? Can I see if you're doing something wrong? How much does that mat weigh? Is that a heavy mat or a little mat? You know, by the way, uh, I, I don't be thinking about that as just like a little piece of carpet or something. I mean, when you look into that word, it's more like our word for a cot. I mean, it's like a military bed or something. And so um, he picks up his mat and... Uh, it says, on the day which he took, uh, took this, this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to, uh, to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat." I wouldn't, isn't somebody happy about this? I mean, 38 years he's been like this. And nobody can say, man, congratulations, you're healed. What happened? God bless you. We're going to rejoice with, you know, with God with you. Uh, instead, they're they're saying, you know, it's the Sabbath, it's the law. You can't, you know, carry your mat around. And the man who uh, the man who made me, or well, let me back up. But he replied, the man who made me we- well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him who this fellow was that told him to pick up, pick it up and walk. And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Uh, later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See you are well again, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath day, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, listen to this, You know, those of you that wondered about the Trinity and, you know, just where does that come from? The Jews wanted to kill him not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You guys catching that? Okay. So, um, let me just kind of explain a little bit to you. Some of your translations may be leave verse 4 out, and the reason that they do that is because some of the translators, they translated it in um, in in John um, uh, chapter 5 at one point, and then as they came back, they looked at it. Honestly, I think, I mean, there's another passage of Scripture in there that makes me think it should be in there, and so I'm, I want to read it. I want to just read it, uh, uh, you know, in the original translation. It says, "'For an angel went down at a certain season.'" into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then uh, first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years, and when Jesus saw him uh, lie, he knew that he had, now, had been now a long time in that case and said to him, Will you be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no one, when the water is troubled to put me in the pool but while I am coming another one steps down now think about this for a second Uh, I I like the translation that says troubled water now who wants to be the first one to get in I'm just thinking I'm, I'm just thinking okay I mean the water is troubled by an angel do you really want to get in that water I mean seriously who's the first one to thought of this hey why don't you get in why don't you touch it? What's well, troubled water? I don't. I got enough trouble in my life already. I don't need to get in troubled water. It sounds like a bad term, doesn't it? Let's all go down and get in the troubled water. I got enough trouble right where I am. I don't need to get in troubled water. But you know what? Sometimes God stirs some things up in our lives. And he begins to show us, and and sometimes we feel like it's trouble. And I want to tell you that I believe that, you know, that the devil gets a lot of credit for what God is doing in our life. When there's a stirring of the water, you know, we start blaming the devil. When we see trouble in our lives, when we see difficult things coming in our lives, we start thinking, you know, the devil's on me, you know. uh, So uh, when Jesus saw him lying there, uh, and he learned he'd been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? It seems like a, you know, a, a just a, um, it, it doesn't seem like a good question. But you know what, I'm going to just tell you that if you've done any counseling before, I remember being in a counseling session once with a guy, and I really felt like the presence of God was there to heal this guy. And I asked him, I said, would you like for me to pray for you to get well? You know what he said? I mean, I still think about it today. He said, well, you know what? If I were to get well, I would lose my disability. (laughs) I'm like, well, how about just getting a job then if you lose your disability, you know? I mean, but think about it. There are a lot of people that are like that. There are a lot of people that, you know, that just are comfortable in that position. And there comes a time in our life when God begins to stir the trouble in our life. Um, You know, he is our comforter, but he's not always in the business of making us comfortable. And um, he uses, um, you know, if I were to tell you or ask you to name 10 things in your life, um, I, I want to just tell you that 10 things that you want to see God do in your life, I bet change would not be on that list at all. Because we don't like change. I mean, we like to take the, the road that is most traveled. Uh, you know, we like, we like being comfortable And it's just sometimes it's easier for us to be in a broken place, in a broken marriage or sickness or unforgiveness or um, just, uh, you know, just whatever it is in our life, it's just easier sometimes not to have to work on things. We get tired of working, you get tired of working on relationships, you get tired of working at your job, you know, tired of trying to make things better, and uh, it's just comfortable, just, just leave it like it is, you know, I can just live with it. And maybe that's what this guy was thinking. 38 years, he's been there, you know, in this condition for 38 years, and And maybe he was just comfortable in that position. I believe that's why Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? And I believe that he really did want to get well. But I want to just say to us today that, you know, are are you in a condition or is there a situation in your life that you just have, you know, kind of got weary dealing with? And you've just accepted what's comfortable Maybe it is a bad marriage, maybe it's a bad relationship, maybe it's a bad job, maybe you've just given up. You don't think that you could go back to school again, you know, you're just going to struggle life, you know, uh, with life the way things are right now. Maybe you've given up on your children, you've seen some things that's going on in their life, and it's just easier to just quit praying, you just kind of throw your hands up. The Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing, just continue to press in. And so I just want to encourage you today that, you know, maybe God is starting to stir some waters in your life, and hopefully he's doing that this morning. But I want to tell you that when Jesus tells this man to get up, that's salvation language. He's he's speaking salvation language to this guy when he says, get up. When the guy says that he wants to get well, Jesus says to him, get up. And this is where it starts. I mean, it starts with us making a decision that, you know what, I, I'm, 38 years is long enough. I've been in this place long enough, and I'm not staying here anymore. Maybe there's a sin struggle in your life. Maybe you've got some kind of bondages in your life today that you've just kind of given up on. You just kind of think that, you know, this is the way I've, I'm always going to be. I mean, I think this way. My heart is this way. You know, I'm a, you know I, I struggle with pornography, I struggle with sin, I struggle with lust, I struggle with anger or unforgiveness, and you know what, it's just the way I am, we just kind of just chalk it off, it's the way that I am, so get used to me being this way, and Jesus is saying today, and he's saying to some of you, do you want to get better, do you want to get well, let me ask this crowd over here, do you, you know, they look like they'll respond a little better, do you want to get better, do you want to get well, okay, all right. I think we all do. I mean, all of us. I do. I mean, there are things in my life that I don't like that I do or think or you know, I just, you know, Lord, I want to let's crank it up to the next level. Let's, you know, let's do something different. Listen to Romans chapter 10. And this is from the message translation. It's very poetic, but uh, you know, it really says it clearly when we talk about salvation. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word... That saves is right here. What is that word? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get healed? As near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest, it's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of preaching. Say the welcoming word to God Jesus is my master, embracing body and soul. God's working. Or God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. And that's a great word for us this morning. We're just simply saying, God, I don't want to be in this place anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I want you to do something. And so after, you know, think about it. After 38 years, any therapist in the room this morning? We got any therapist here? I'm I'm not going to. Scold you or anything, Beck? You think you're a therapist? Okay, you've been to therapy, um, but you know, think about this. You know, for 38 years, uh, no muscular, no bone structure, no nerves, nothing. Nothing is happening. The fact that the guy is able, even able to stand up, is a miracle. I mean, just the the fact that he is able to just stand up at all with being in this condition for 38 years of uh, muscle being like that, uh, nerves being like that, bone structure being like that, and, uh, you know, I mean, he is just like, he's hearing the word of God. There's something that's, um, it's it's not magical, but miraculous in the voice of Jesus when Jesus says to stand up and the man stands up. Life is coming into him, and that's what happens to us. You may be in a place this morning, and you can hear the voice of the Son of God, and God speaking to you. And life is coming in, that life-changing word that comes from the power of God. I notice that uh, every once in a while you start reading the Bible, and you start hitting on these themes. And, you know, these certain words start jumping out. Get up, get up. And uh, we read this in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus uh, has passed from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs. Remember, Matthew was the tax collector. And he said to him pretty much the same thing, get up. Matthew, you've been in this place. Aren't you sick of just being here, you know, wasting your life? You're collecting taxes, but nothing is really going on in your life. Let's do something different. Let's make some, let's do something different for the kingdom of God. Let's make some advances in the kingdom of God. And he arose and followed him. And he approached the town. Here's another example of that. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, don't cry. And he went up and touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were filled with awe, and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, and they said, God has come to help his people. Get up. Is there something dead in you today, something that you want to be alive to? I I pray that you would hear the word of God saying, Get up. It's time for a change. Get up. Deuteronomy chapter 2, not only does God say this to individuals, he says it to nations too. Uh, this is a, um, a point in Scripture where Moses is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And he says, At this point, the Lord said to me, You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn, turn north. It's the same kind of language. Get up. Quit doing this. You know, you've been in the same spot, the same cycle. Uh, you've been here over and over and over again. And just like the man at the pool, God is saying, get up, get up. It's time for a change. Today, it's time for a change. You know what? God cannot use you. God did not create you to sit still. He did not create you to be in one spot. Let's continue on. The second thing that he says to the man, pick up your mat. 38 years in this condition, he says, take. I want you to take what has defined your life for 38 years, this mat. I want you to Take it. I want you to just kind of walk around with this because this is what has defined you for 38 years. And uh, I I believe the Lord is saying to this guy, he says, together you and I are going to get rid of this thing. This is not who you are. This is not who you are anymore. Uh, You know, that old lifestyle, that old sin, that bondage, I've got something better for you. What defines you? What's defining you today? Is failure defining you? an abortion defining you, a divorce, a bad marriage, bankruptcy, maybe even being in prison, or bad finances. What defines you today? When people look at you, what defines you? What defined this man was a mat. I mean, they look at this mat and they say, they know that it belongs to this invalid. He's had it for 38 years. But now all of a sudden, he's walking around and it's just kind of like picking up his cross and walking through town, just picking that thing up. And he's saying, this is not who I am anymore because of what Jesus has done. That's good news. In John chapter 5, let me just read it again, starting at verse 9. The day on which it took place, Was a Sabbath, and the Jew said to the man who had been healed, "It's a Sabbath, and the law forbids you to carry your mat." Um, And and I just want to say that you know that it was his opportunity. It was his opportunity to say, "You know what? For thirty-eight years, I've carried it. I've carried this thing for thirty-eight years, and I just want to tell you that I don't need I don't need someone to carry me around. I don't need someone to carry my mat around. That Jesus has come into my life." and I'm not the same person. The mat does not define me anymore. Um, now watch this. Um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Don't be deceived. I, I love this passage of Scripture because it tells us what we used to be and what we are now. It goes on to say that neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkard, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord um, by the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? That's a great word. You know, he talks about how we used to be. It's like the old mat that that we used to carry around. And he's saying, you know what? You're not like that anymore because of what God has done, what his spirit has done. And then in Mark chapter 8, you know, carrying our mat. Uh, It's kind of like the same kind of language as carrying our cross. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same will save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so it's kind of like, you know, picking up your cross and going through and people looking at you and saying, you know what, I remember what you used to be like. I remember, you know, what kind of person you were. And I can see that something that's different in your life today. And I know that, you you know, you've got religion. That's what they'll always say. They don't want to talk about Jesus too much or Christ. They'll talk about religion and then you can start telling them, you know, that Jesus has come into your life and made a real difference in your life. And you don't have to be identified by what used to hold you back. So, and then he tells them not only to get up and pick up his mat, but he, he tells them to walk. And uh, this is the good one right here. So, because I see, I, I guys, I think that many times we get stuck we just in life, just as Christians. Not, I'm not talking at the beginning of our walk with Christ. I'm just talking about, you know, as we begin to walk, we get to certain places in our life, and we just get stuck, and we can't move forward anymore. But I want to just tell you that God did not design you. He did not make you to stand still or to sit around the pool. And I know that summer's coming, and I love to do that. I love to just get out there and just kind of sit by the pool. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sitting by the pool for 38 years. God wants to use you, and he can't use you if you're not moving. You know, the church needs to be moving. We as individuals need to be moving forward in our growth with God. But I will tell you that we were designed. This is the way that God wired us. We were designed to take ground, to keep moving, to advance the kingdom of God, to take steps of faith to move ahead, to be active, to be someone, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to take steps of faith, to be doing. And this is the picture of salvation. Jesus just shows up. I mean, he shows up to to this pool, and he forgives the man, and he redeems him. He brings healing to him, and he takes the mat, and, you know, just out. He's just going. You know, he's, he's walking it out day by day by the power and the presence of God. So what does it mean for us to walk? Deuteronomy chapter 5, 33, it says, walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Jeremiah chapter 7 says, walk in the ways that I command you that it may go well with you. Then Ephesians chapter 4, it says, I therefore, this is Paul speaking, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. This is how we walk. So I just ask you the question today. Why don't you just take a moment, if you just bow your head for a moment, please, and um, let's just ask that question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? With with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me?